Uh, Heavenly Father, we do um, come before you feeling um, perhaps anxious, feeling uh, uncertain, feeling even just lethargic, many of us, uh, during this time. Uh, We do pray for energy as we hear from your word. We do pray for focus. We pray um, that the word will speak to us and that you'll uh, speak to our hearts today. May your spirit encourage us. May your spirit give us... um, yeah, uh, uh, inspiration and and uh, empowerment to, to live for you, even during these times where we feel disconnected from each other and isolated. Uh, I do pray, Lord, that you will, um, by your word, remind us of the bigger picture. Uh, give us your perspective on the world around us. Uh, even though um, things might be really difficult at the moment for many of us, uh, you're still a God that's in control, and you still speak to us through your word, and your word is uh, is is always useful for us. And always directs us and always guides us. And so today in John 17, may that guide us again today. And may that lead us today. And may that um, yeah, move our hearts to, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I don't know if you guys uh, knew, but um, I wasn't actually meant to be here in Brisbane this weekend. Uh, I was meant to be in Sydney. I was going to be away this weekend at a friend's wedding. Uh, so I wasn't actually even booked in to, to preach uh, this week's uh, talk, this week's sermon. Um, I have a really good friend of mine in Sydney. His uh, his name is Matt, and he was going to get married this weekend in in Sydney. And Heidi and I were asked to pray at his wedding. He's a good friend of ours, a very close friend of mine, actually. And I was very much looking forward to attending that. Um, it was going to be a special occasion. I mean, I've been talking to him for months, and him and his um, fiance, uh, they've been planning it, and they've been emailing their guests constantly, just updating on what's going on, especially with COVID nineteen happening in our country. And it was sad because this last week they had to send an email out to everyone. We had already had to talk to them. We uh, canceled our flights already, but they emailed everyone and officially said that their wedding was canceled. And it was quite disappointing. It was quite sad. I, I talked to him about it and uh, and they were, they were upset about uh, what's going on, but they were also, uh, they accepted it. This is how it is uh, in the world around us. And this is what we're seeing everywhere aren't we? I don't know if you read in the news, uh, it's nothing I was really interested in, but I saw the headline for it, but Bindi Irwin from Australia Zoo, she got married this week as well, and she, she rushed the wedding because she wanted to get in before the lockdown laws uh, went into place, uh, but it's happening, all right? People are cancelling weddings, concerts are being cancelled, sports events are being cancelled, the Olympics, did you hear about that? The Olympics 2020 had to be postponed, it's not going to be, it's going to be Olympics 2021, like that doesn't sound as good as 2020 Olympics, right? Uh, Even our church gathering that we all know and love, we've had to suspend these meetings each week. Um, I'm really sad because this last week, our, our team decided that we had to postpone our church retreat. The gathering that we come together and go away for a weekend, the weekend away, we had to postpone that because of what's going on. Uh, This pandemic is a big deal. We're living in a moment of history where everyone's lives are being affected by it. It's not just a small population, it's global. And it's led to a lot of disappointment, hasn't it? But the disappointment goes beyond just just special events. I mean, it goes beyond the weddings and the sports and the concerts. The disappointment runs deep as we see people uncertain about their, their futures. People uncertain about their job situation, getting laid off or being stood down not having the finances to pay rent or, or to, to put food on the table. This last week we saw lines that Centrelink go around blocks you know, and, people, and, and thousands of people uh, who have had their jobs cut. It's causing a lot of misery. 
the disappointment is so real. What have you been feeling disappointed by lately? It might be major, like the uncertainty of your future, your job situation, or your livelihood. Or it might be a, 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 more of an inconvenience. You know, you can't go to that spin class or yoga class you've been attending. I mean, the favorite restaurant or cafe. Uh, you want to go on a date and have brunch, but they're only doing takeaway now, so you have to eat in your living room or drink coffee in your living room. Uh, I know I was pretty disappointed because Mulan, the movie, got postponed in cinemas. Did you, did you hear about that? That's really sad. I, I love watching movies, and I was looking forward to that. But it could be anything, right? It could be your social life being dwindled down. You feel bored at home even, isolated, quarantined. It could be anything. I've been personally disappointed. I can't sit in a cafe to work anymore. Working at home is tough, isn't it? <laughs> I can't go to the gym to get them gains. It's real it's, and it's so revealing. I mean, it's revealing because I'm seeing what our hearts find our immense value in. Uh, it, it's totally legitimate, isn't it? To be disappointed with COVID-19, uh, and how it's changing our lives, especially our livelihood. Some of us are thinking, I never thought this would happen to me. But it is. It's happening. And it's happening to everyone. There's been a lot of disappointment. But we can also so see the, that the magnitude, uh, the intensity of how disappointment looks like in our lives, it's revealing, isn't it? It's revealing of where our love and loyalties lie. You see, today Jesus gets us to reflect on our hearts. It's legitimate to be disappointed with the cancelling of special events, right? It's legitimate to be disappointed with um, losing our finances and our jobs. Totally legitimate. But how will we face these disappointments throughout life? What will be the focus of our hearts during this time? Because all through life, no matter what season, we're going to find times when we feel disappointed. How are disappointments going to affect us? In John 17, we get an insight into the heart of Jesus. We're invited into the, this explicit private prayer of Jesus uh, to God the Father. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful because I don't know about what you pray for in your private prayers to God, but what Jesus prays for is something that models to us where his heart is, where his love is, where his desires are. We'll get a snapshot. We'll get an insight into Jesus' love for God and his love for his people, his church, and those who don't know him yet as well. You know, I always wonder what people pray for in their private time. Uh, you know, is it, is it just um, for, for good health and wealth? You know, is it for your family? Is it about glorifying God? So these are some of the questions that come up as we go through Jesus' prayer today. You know, Jesus teaches us how to pray, pray um, the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven. But the Lord's Prayer is here. Jesus, as our Lord, this is his prayer, his personal prayer to God. Now, just some context of where we are at in John. Uh, John 17 sits in the, this gospel narrative, right, at the end of the upper room discourse. You know, so they've been in this upper room together from John 13. We started it. Uh, they, he's sitting with his disciples. They're about to enjoy the Passover feast. They're celebrating that together. We've got four chapters, essentially, where John is writing for us in length, recording what happens in this intimate space between Jesus and his disciples. And it finishes this, this upper room discourse it finishes with here uh, this prayer in John 17 as we start moving towards Jesus getting arrested soon after this uh, to go to his death on the cross. And so this prayer, in a sense, uh, for his disciples and that we get to read as well now, it, it's a farewell speech in a sense, uh, one that he could share openly with his disciples. 
Uh, and we read through his prayer, you're going to find that he, he gives the church, he gives us, you and I, comfort and courage and confidence to face today and face tomorrow. So if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. I'm going to read from verse 1. After Jesus had said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Wow, so much about glory there, right? Do you remember so far in John, John, John uh, Jesus keeps saying, the hour has not yet come. You know, it's usually in the context of him teaching or performing miracles, and he's about to get arrested, but he doesn't get arrested. He gets away, and he always says, well, you know why I didn't get arrested? <laughs> My hour has not yet come, but here it is. He's saying to his disciples, the hour has come. It's time. It's time for him to fulfill his mission that God gave him to the end. This is what he was sent for, to glorify God. And he glorifies God, not only on earth through, through teaching and performing miracles. Yeah, that's great. And that's, you know, that's supernatural, divine stuff. But he glorifies God through living his life, holy, his sinless life, and going to his death. It's what he soon faces. He'll be arrested. He'll be falsely accused. He'll be whipped and beaten. A crown of thorns put on his head and he will be crucified on a Roman cross. He'll be innocently sacrificed. Not for his sake, but for the sake of us, for humankind, as he was sent to do by God the Father. You see, the mission for Jesus was to come into our world to die. Why? Well, you see, it's for this purpose. For God to be glorified through him. He says, glorify my name so your name can be glorified. Jesus, the Son of God, comes to our world to be God with us. Do you see that? Through, through his life, he represents God. He reveals the, the greatness of God to a, to a broken and exhausted world. He allows us to meet him. To bring the name of God. He brings us into God's presence. We get to enter into his presence. How do we know this? Well, we already read it in John chapter 14 a few weeks ago, didn't we? He talks about being in the Father. If you've seen me, you're, you've seen the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's through me that you'll come to the Father. When you meet Jesus, you've met God, the Father. Something we couldn't do before. But now that we have been given eternal life, what does that mean? It's been sin right? Separate us from God. We read it earlier uh, in, in the New City Catechism. But now Jesus has brought salvation to us that from sin, that the sin that separates us is no longer. We can now enter eternal life, which is knowing God, having a relationship with God. That's going to only be accomplished through the death of an innocent. Not just any innocent, but the Son of God himself, perfectly righteous without sin. See, that was his mission. That was his ministry. Bring the presence of God to our world. Bring eternal life to those like you and I, separated from God, destined for death, now able to receive eternal life through faith in his grace. Jesus is about to go to his cross hours from, his, from this event, from this prayer. He's about to, to go to the cross. And while we feel the disappointment of cance, cancelled events, his whole life is going to be cancelled in hours, right? Right? 
It's through this weakest moment of Christ's life. What does he desire more than anything? He desires glory for God. And he prays this prayer. He's very aware that he doesn't have much longer on this earth. Look at the first thing he prays for. God, glorify your son. So you, Father, can receive glory. Use my suffering and triumph over the grave for your glory. He wants God to make much of his life and his mission so that God can be the one who is glorified and magnified in all of this. And so the son receives honor through being the instrument. Do you you get this? The son receives honor. So he gets glory by being the instrument by which God the Father receives honor. God can only be honored if Christ himself is honored. Christ is at the center of it all. Loving Jesus, what we do at church, being uh, the word is Christocentric, centered on Christ. If we're centered on Christ, God gets glory. That's what makes Christianity so unique. We have a God that's triune, right? The, The Trinity, Spirit, Father, Son, they all get glory. They give glory to one another. And here Christ prays, may you get glory as I get glory through the act of the sacrifice on the cross. And isn't that how we're encouraged to view our lives as well? Regardless of our circumstances, we have one life. What is it that God wants our hearts to be consumed by? Our, our minds, our, our hearts, will we allow them to be consumed by His glory first and foremost as well? Yeah, eat, drink, rest, play Animal Crossing on your Switch, go to the gym, watch Netflix, but do it for the glory of God. Redeem the culture that we're so ingrained in. Do it for God. Give him glory. I have a friend in Sydney, and she started a YouTube channel, and and she called it Grace and Strength, where she teaches yoga and teaches her followers not to just meditate on emptiness and, 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 and nothingness, but to meditate on biblical truths as we do yoga. You redeem the culture that we live in. Bring glory to God. Use your, 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 your time video gaming online to, to connect with people. Share with them the hope that you have. We're not called to retreat to the hills and live in monasteries, to be in isolation. We, we hate this, don't we? But we're called to get amongst it, do life together around Jesus. And so Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, you don't need to turn to it, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We've got to redeem the culture around us, bring it under the word. And what will that look like? What will it look like to have humble dependence on him in all things? The way Christ sees his life. Will it look like, will it look like uh, putting uh, our love for him first over our daily worries? Will your integrity in the Christian faith for the sake of God's glory, will that color your lifestyle? The, the choices you proactively, proactively make saying yes or saying no to certain things? Will your integrity and character bring glory to God? Whether we're, we're living through moments of, of suffering, like today in our uncertain world, or we're living in moments of, of triumph and gain. You see, as he shifts the focus of his prayer to his disciples, that's his desire for them too. That they, we as the church, have a mission in our lives. You see, for him, in this room, he had his 12 disciples with him. They were his prototype church. He's been with them, he's been teaching them, and now he's leaving them. And so he prays, Father, protect them. And he asks this in verse 11, in chapter 17. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. 
In verse 15, that God will protect them from the evil one. In verse 17, that they will be sanctified by truth, by the word of God. See, Jesus prays these things for his church, for their perseverance, their endurance, their resilience in the gospel. He knows the temptations. He's lived through temptations. The temptations of walking away from God, the temptations of pride and greed. He knows the allure of sin and Satan when he was in the wilderness. He knows what it's like for us as the church to be led away from community, from the church itself, from, from God himself. And he understands if his disciples, Christians like you and I, have been given the identity and the title, right, of God's people. We're God's representatives. We're his ambassadors. You know what that means, right? It's, it's like we're soldiers. We'll be going into a daily spiritual battle for our souls. Jesus gets it. He's thinking now, before the hashtag was invented, the hashtag, the struggle is real. Right? Jesus prays, Father, protect them. He knows we need, we need God's help. We need God's help by the presence of his Holy Spirit, which Jesus has already promised in the last chapter. The great comforter, the great counselor. Father, protect your church. And firstly, he says, give them unity. This is such an important prayer. See, Jesus cares about our relationships. He wants his disciples to be together, supporting each other, caring for each other, because we're going to face a world that, that doesn't always agree with the Christian worldview. A world that doesn't like the good news that we want to give them. A world that might even be hostile to Christians, as we see constantly in society and in the media. We follow in the footsteps of a crucified saviour. What do we expect? Will we face trouble? We will face trouble. And Jesus says, God, protect them. And may they be unified together. Now, how often is that it's within the church itself that conflict comes? It's messy. Last year, we looked at a series in 1 Timothy, Living in the Mess of Church. Relationships are hard. Church politics suck. I hate it when, when shame and bitterness get the better of us, so we can't find the courage to confront each other or apologize or to seek forgiveness. We'd rather let it slide and bottle it up. But Jesus' heart in his prayer here is one that desires unity. One desires that desires togetherness. One that desires us to get out of our comfort zone and love each other for the gospel. Friends, you might not want to believe this, but we need each other. Even me, as your pastor, I, I need you in my life. <laughs> it's not some sort of late night song dedication. I need you in my life because I need the church. I need the church to support and encourage me in my walk with God. I need you. And yeah, sure, during this time, we can't physically uh, meet in the season of life, but we're people still established by Christ, aren't we? The church itself was known by the Greek word ecclesia. It means the gathering. It's a gathering of people brought together because of their union with Christ. But that union exists because uh, even if we can't gather physically, that union still exists because primarily, first and foremost, as individuals, we're Christians. That identity in Christ, even though we're joining through our screens at home, we're part of that collective, the church. We're instantly installed into the church where the people of God, Jesus desires us to be one with each other. Yeah, it's rough at the moment. Uh, it's only been a week, uh, two weeks now online. But let's be honest, we're not made for isolation, are we? 
Genesis tells us, right, that God made us in his image. God is a triune God. He's existed in this three-way relationship since forever. He made us to be relational beings as well as humans. And it's so funny because you can see it. Like No one wants to take these self-isolation uh, rules or laws seriously. Uh, I, I shared a, a photo with some of the men at church in, that was in the news that down in Melbourne, St. Kilda Beaches, uh, people aren't practicing social distancing. There was literally a group of people hanging out, having a picnic together or whatever, sitting on a patch of grass in front of a big sign that said, practice social distancing. And it was getting a lot of slack. People were posting and saying, people need to stay home. But we get that, don't we? We understand how they feel. We want to get out into the sun. We want to sit with our friends and have a picnic together. We don't want to just stay home all the time and be self-isolated. We miss church. We miss gathering with one another. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. We'll all feel lonely at some point, won't we? We all need a dose of relationships. We all need the dose of love and care. We're not made to be silos doing things in ISO. We're made for community. And even more so, as we face our world with a worldview that clashes with how people see our world, we need the church. We need each other. We need support. Let me encourage you, even if you're in your pajamas at home right now, even from behind your phone screen or your computer screen, reach out to others. Be the church. Be who God has called you to be, a people gathered, a people connected and involved in each other's lives. Be the family of God, Providence. You see, Jesus cares about our unity, but Jesus cares also about our holiness. He prays that we'll be sanctified in truth, which means we'll grow more and more in holiness and righteousness, that we'll pursue repentance daily. We'll desire more and more of God in our lives, and we'll desire the same heart as Jesus to glorify his name. That's what sanctification will look like. And so Jesus' heart is for us to know truth and live by truth, he says. See, what makes his disciples, um, what makes us disciples is that we get to live by the word that Jesus gives us, the word of God. The scriptures and the teachings of Jesus. Jesus says that uh, that was part of his mission on earth, to bring the word of God, his character, who he is, rich truths about his love, his kindness, his grace, and his mercy. The truth about who we are, sinners, people in need of salvation. The word makes a way for us to relate to God through Jesus, to hear how to live in relationship with him, to show us what holiness looks like. Yes, we won't reach perfect holiness in this lifetime. We can't obey the law of God perfectly, as question 13 told us. But what will it look like for us? It will look like striving for good over evil, fighting for justice over injustice, for love over hate and bitterness, for service and humility over pride and selfishness, for generosity and giving over greed and materialism. We're called to be set apart from the world, to be countercultural, to live as Christ calls us to live, to live by the word of God, by truth, to represent Jesus, not ourselves. That's what sanctification is going to look like in this world. Not given over to the lies and temptations of the world, once we've been saved in Christ, then it's sanctification. That's, that's the name of the game. We, we aren't going to stay the same. <laughs> and Jesus, he wants that for us as we read here in his prayer. If I can summarize 
at the heart of what Jesus is praying and asking God for is to protect us is, is that we'll, by the help of his spirit, have a gospel resilience. Have you ever thought about that for yourself? Do you want that? Do you, want, do you desire a gospel resilience? That in the face of, say, hostility or in the face of temptation, in the face of conflict, that you'll have a gospel resilience? That you'll desire to still glorify God even amongst all that, the struggles that we face? Yeah, Jesus says, God, protect us. But what will that look like? It'll look like that the glories of his name will sink so deep in our hearts. That the gospel is what we turn to, to face whatever comes. We can deal with disappointments because Christ's mission was to give us eternal life. You see, when we have that truth in our hearts, it's a comfort, isn't it? We have the salvation of sins. We have eternity written, tattooed on our hearts. We belong to Jesus. We'll be in the presence of God forever. You know, to have that perspective on life, that's what gospel resilience is going to look like. Friends, are we praying for that for ourselves? You know, as we navigate through 2020, As we navigate through this pandemic in history, what are we as a church going to be known for? I mean, we know a God who will always be with us, who Jesus prays to protect us. But we face each day with that gospel resilience. This isn't a time for us to hide. It's a time for us to thrive. (laughs) You see, not on our own. We do this together around the word of God that sanctifies. His presence is seen and felt really through Christians, through Christian love, through the presence of our brothers and sisters. You want to know what gospel resilience looks like. It looks like the church gathered, encouraging each other to soldier on, to persevere, actively sharing life and love with one another. This mutual love is so important as a church. That's where growth and maturity and sanctification is seen, seen together. Unity is such an important theme throughout John. Jesus wants us to see that it'll come through love, unified in love through real relationships, easy and and difficult relationships that will sharpen us, that will inspire us, they will challenge us at times, that will help us to flourish. See, we are the body of Christ together. We're constructed together by Christ, who is the chief cornerstone of the household that's being built through us. We need each other. We need each other to grow together. So tell me, are you unified with your Christian brothers and sisters? Are you connected? Do you have real relationships here at Providence where you can share your life freely and honestly and and vulnerably? Relationships where you can sit under the word of God and grow together in holiness? Relationships where you're comfortable just to pick up your phone and call them and share life with them? Can I encourage you, if you don't, can can you go out and seek them? Find brothers, find sisters that you want to talk to about life and God with. People you can share your faith with in a safe space. See, we can face the disappointments of this world with each other. Speaking truth and love to each other. Reminding each other of the truths of the gospel. But it will take effort. It will take picking up our phone, reaching out. And I know some of us here, our generation hate phone calls. It gives us anxiety when our phone rings. Well, you're wondering, what do they want? Why are they calling me? Why don't they text first? I get that. But this is the time to get out of our comfort zones, out of love, 
call each other. Ask each other how you're going. Ask, ask each other how you're really going. Give permission for the other person to vent. Pray for them. And you see, that's the most loving thing we can do for our brothers and sisters. For those of us in our wider church family too, who, who might be joining us for the first time in a long time, hey, we're here for you. Like We want you to connect in with us. We love you. Let us know how we can support you and pray for you as well during this time. I don't know about you, but I've realized something. Uh, uh, during this time, I really feel like uh, I've taken, taken, taken our, our physical gatherings for granted, don't you think, in person? Like, we'd, we'd go to church when we felt like it, but now that option isn't there, and you feel it. You wish you were there. Uh, I, I miss you guys. I miss the church gathering, sharing life together. But let's keep finding creative ways to still do this. Let's keep meeting up online through Zoom or through FaceTime or through phone calls and pray for each other. Unity and truth. Read the Bible together over a video call conference. Share what you've been reading. Share what you've been reflecting on. Dive in deep. Make that sacrifice for others. Introverts, reach out to the extroverts. They're struggling. Extroverts, reach out to the introverts who don't know who they can reach out to and they're, and they're paralyzed with choice. Call them, text them. Yeah, and I know for our married couples, it's, it's easy. You have each other. But there are some of our single members our, or students that are on their own in isolation. Reach out. Be the church loving on each other. Have a cup of tea over Zoom. You got someone in mind? Text them after this live stream is over. Arrange your time. Get over the weirdness and awkwardness of, of it all. Do it because you want to do life together. You want to love on them. And I'm saying all this because I want to give you really concrete examples. You know, church is sometimes a very passive thing, isn't it? We rock up, we stand, we sing, we pray, we listen to a guy preach. And it's even easier to be passive from the comfort of our own homes. But let me challenge you. Christ, who prayed for you and for me, before we even knew him, he calls us to be the church. Actively living out our faith, even during a time of fear. Active in love during a time of anxiety. Active in comforting others during a time when uncertainty is consuming our hearts. Friends, we got this. We got a real and living hope. We got God and we got each other. One last thing that Jesus prays for from verse 20. It's not just for his immediate church, but for the future church as well. The disciples, um, they're going to continue God's mission. That Jesus began to bring more, uh, more people to a personal relationship with God. And that's the call for us as well. You see, Jesus, he came as a, as a paradigm, a pattern for us. God sent Jesus into the world. Now Jesus sends his disciples, he sends his church, you and I, into the world as well to make more disciples. We've got an opportunity in history to be the church that loves and is a light to the broken and the currently miserable world. You could say that Jesus' prayer really sums up our vision, you know, loving God, loving each other, loving our world. You see, seasons of trials and times of loss, they're going to force us to look to God so much more. People around us are asking questions. Why is this happening in our world? Why do I have to be isolated? Why, why, is, this, why is it so scary at the moment? You see, God is stripping us of all our securities and our sufficiencies for a purpose. So we can look to the one who alone is sufficiency, who alone is security, who alone is our stronghold. Friends, do you believe that in your own heart? And will that truth resonate so deeply that it becomes evident in your life as you converse and speak to those around you who don't know God but are feeling the uncertainty of our times? We have to be honest. Death will come. 
It might be in the form of a virus. It might be something else. But I don't want my disappointment in 2020 to be that I didn't share the hope of eternal life in Jesus to the fearful, to the dying, to the sick. This life here is not all that there is. Jesus has brought eternal life. He fulfilled his mission. He gifts it by grace and love to all that come to him in faith. Will we be advocates and ambassadors of that message? Will we stand confident in that truth amidst our disappointments in life? I'm not sure how long this pandemic will go for, but let's not waste this opportunity in history to bring the hope of God, eternal life to those around us, to those who are feeling the fear of death and sickness, the disappointments of cancelled events, the sorrow of loneliness or loss of a loved one. See, COVID-19 has brought misery upon so many, yet we don't have to sit in that misery for long. We can be empowered. The church has survived persecutions, famines, plagues. Not even COVID-19 can stop the mission and life of Jesus' church. And friends, the disappointments we have to face, it can't be all that 2020 is remembered for. I can imagine it already. 2020 was the year everything got cancelled. But know this, our lives aren't cancelled. We still have lives to live. We still have eternity to look forward to. Even if you're feeling the the lethargy and lifelessness of lockdown right now, Jesus' prayer couldn't have come at a better time to empower, to encourage. Together as one people, as his church, let's flourish in our faith. Let's pursue his glory amidst all the trouble we'll face. Let's be the church together around his word, multiplying on mission for the glory and fame of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray.